Many people do not like to talk about death. They don't like to talk about suffering or grief. And yet, a healthy biblical understanding of suffering, it changes the way that you grieve. It changes the way that you process it and see it and walk through it. Welcome to the Endowed Podcast. My name is Isaac, your host, and happy Canadian Thanksgiving. This week, we have a great podcast for you. We're actually going to be digging into grief and suffering and how to grieve well, but also how to respond and help others in their grief. Um, In just a moment, we'll be hearing from a conversation I had with a current pastor who himself has been through much suffering and grief, as you'll hear, and Dr. John Neufeld, who was in pastoral ministry for over 30 years. But before we listen, I wanted to say that hearing from you, our listener, is actually very important to us. And we, when we get emails, we, we read them really carefully and we respond as quickly as we can to help with whatever you had messaged us with, even if it's just a comment or a concern that you maybe have. If you've found that In Doubt has helped you in any way, even if it's just made you think more, you know, message us. We'd love to hear about it. You can message us through email at info at You can message us on Facebook, which you can find our page by just typing in doubt. Um, or you can tweet us as well at in doubt Canada. And I look forward to hearing from you. But anyways, let's get into this important conversation on suffering and grief. Well, it's a privilege to be talking with uh, two friends today on a uh, subject that will never grow old, uh, and that is suffering and grief. Um, I'm joined today with uh, Pastor Clint Nelson and Bible teacher Dr. John Newfeld. So uh, thanks for being here with me today, guys. Thank you. Wonderful to be with you. Yeah. It's a pleasure as well. Thank you. Um, so this episode on suffering and grief, um, it actually really grew out of... Um, this circumstance, an uh, unfortunate circumstance that happened here uh, in our in our own office. Uh, Rebecca Cron, who uh, was our audio engineer for In Doubt, for Laugh Again, and for Back to the Bible Canada, uh, for many years, uh, she was in a car crash on, uh, on her way to work on August 23rd, and she's with the Lord. And uh, obviously, it was, uh, it was a shock. She was 30 years old, and um, our office and obviously her family and friends and she had such a huge impact um, with many people even around the world as well. Uh, It was a shock and we all have to uh, deal with that grief. So after that obviously circumstance, we decided that it would be a great idea to come together um, after obviously a, a few weeks of the the situation and talk about suffering and grief head on. Um, so I'm joined with two pastors. Uh, I mean, Dr. John obviously is the Bible teacher here, but he pastored for, well, well about 35 years um, altogether in his life. And, and uh, Pastor Clint Nelson's been pastoring for about f- five years? Lead pastor of five years. Lead yeah. pastor five years, Lead but in ministry for 11 for before that. 11 yeah. before that, yeah. Um, so I think that's a great idea to come and just talk to pastors because obviously, obviously they have to deal with questions of suffering and grief uh, since they are shepherding uh, God's flock. Um, so that's why we're doing this episode uh, today to talk about suffering and grief. Um, so let's go to the Word and see what God says about it and how we deal with it in our own uh, in our own lives. So uh, let let's get started here. When it when it comes to suffering, then, and this is addressed to both of you, uh, when Christians um, suffer, often many Christians struggle with this idea of a good and loving God um, and their suffering. Um, whether it's a spontaneous, shocking suffering or a slow suffering, they get confused. Well, how how can God be good if I'm if I'm suffering? So, how do you counsel people 
through that as pastors, when someone comes up to you, explains their suffering, and they're struggling with that question of reconciling a good God with suffering? I mean, first of all, I think whenever suffering happens to an individual, the first response, the pastoral response, is not to respond, but simply to be there, to pray with, uh, to assure the individual you're not going to leave them in the lurch, that they'll always be surrounded by people if they need them, if they need time to simply be alone. We want to listen carefully to their own response to their suffering and respond rather than bring in an agenda. So to me, the first question is never, how do you answer their big question? The first is, how does one simply be loving and gracious and stand with them as they suffer? Right. And I think we were even talking earlier this morning about Job, and you said the best thing that his friends did was <laughs> the first week where they just sat with him and didn't say anything. Yeah. I mean, if they never opened their mouths, it might have been a good experience. Right. right? <laughs> um, but eventually, of course, what happens is Job says something that sets one of them off. So Bildad is very upset with what Job has said and then intervenes to correct him. And I think there's something to be learned from that. Mm. Uh, Sometimes in the midst of suffering, people will say things. And the good and godly lover of the soul of the person who's suffering may not intervene at that point in time and simply say, these are things that a person needs to say. There will be a time when we talk about that, but maybe not in the immediate. I think that's good counsel. I think, yeah, the context is key in all of that. You want to figure out where, where they're coming from theologically, uh, the nature of their loss or their, their grieving, their suffering. And uh, you want to then sensitively, yet truthfully and lovingly, mm-hmm. um, engage them right. and um, be present with them. I think of Lazarus and uh, um, the, the friends and the family there, we, you know, weeping and, and uh, grieving the loss uh, of him. Right. And Jesus doesn't come and correct their theology immediately. He just right. comes and he cries with them. Yeah. I mean, he knows what's in store and what will come, yeah. but he's just present with them and he right. cries with them. I, that's, that, that's a Christian response. To, right. And the immediate response, the first step to suffering, to loss, is, is to grieve with those who grieve. Right. Yeah, that's good. And I think, you know, as we were talking even before, uh, John, you made the point where it's like, it's not as though, you know, if suffering happens, it's suffering will happen as well. I think that's a part of basic Christian discipleship. You know, as a pastor, you know, both Clint and I, we've uh, been in that pastoral ministry. We need to prepare people in advance that it's not that they might suffer in some time. The point that I think we need to do is that every single human being will suffer. It is unavoidable. And somehow we need to train people before they arrive there that this is indeed what they will face one day. I'm excited that we're having this talk because many people do not like to talk about death. They don't like to talk about suffering or grief. And yet a healthy biblical understanding of suffering, it changes the way that you grieve. It changes the way that you process it and see it and walk through it. It's dramatically different depending on what your theology is about uh, the nature of suffering. Right. That's very that's very true. So if suffering is inevitable then in the Christian life, and I even think of the words of Jesus, in this world you will have trouble, tribulation, whatever, but take heart, I've overcome the world. It's very hopeful. But h- how should we grieve then as Christians? And I think, Clint, obviously, there's a reason why uh, we, we wanted to talk with you as well, because, uh, I mean, I would love for you to share a little bit about your personal grief and how you as a Christian have dealt with that um, sure, and are yeah. dealing with it now. Yeah, it is inevitable that we will experience suffering. As you said, Jesus 
said that we would <laughs> in this life, we will. Uh, a little over three years ago, I lost my wife to cancer, and um, she left behind me and my uh, two kids, uh, a boy and a girl, age seven and nine now. Um, obviously, then it was, uh, like, a, my math right, five and two, uh, six, and <laughs> six and three. Uh, and, um, you know, so I, the way that you, you process grief is uh, you, you turn to God. You look to God and say, help me make sense of this situation. And uh, what are you doing in this situation? And help me in this situation. I can't, I can't even count the, the number of nights that, uh, and mornings that I would wake up or fall asleep uh, in tears, in desperation for his strength, for his wisdom, for his help, for his presence. Uh, and uh, he's faithful to, to minister to me in every one of those moments to, to remind me through his word or by his spirit of his truth and his promises and his um, his wisdom for how to do today well, yeah. how to get through this day. Yeah. Did you ever struggle with why? Did you ever ask God the why? I certainly sympathize with people that do ask the question why. I think in our flesh, it's a very natural response to scream out to God, why would you let this happen? Um, I, I, I experienced a, a car, my father was in a car crash when I was in grade two. And uh, the doctor said he most likely wouldn't make it, Lord willing, he did. And, um, and so I remember as a grade two, and whatever your age, you're in grade two, crying out, sobbing out to God, why, why, why would you let this happen? So I felt that I wrestled with that when I as a grade <laughs> two student, that I wrestled with that big issue of life then. And my mom, who is a, a, a wonderful, faithful uh, Christian, really counseled us kids through that season of life and helped us develop our theology, even as, as children, about the reality of this life and, and how good God is in the midst of, of pain and loss and suffering. And so when it came to my wife's um, diagnosis and her uh, death, uh, I, I felt that I was prepared in that moment. So I didn't ask the question why. Um, even when you read through the Psalms, uh, I, I don't really see that, you know, why, why, why? It's just, it's often how long, yeah. <laughs> you know, how long will this mm. suffering in, entail? And I remember you saying yeah, that. Yeah, and that's a, my kind of, was my approach in it was, you know, I, I know this won't last forever, um, but help me get through it and help me keep grounded, keep my perspective, keep my eyes on you in and through uh, this this season and this this reality of life. John, when you think of how to, how to grieve well, what what comes to uh, mind? Well, I know that grieving, as we experience it, there are certain markers for a believer that help us, I think, through the process. It's not that we don't grieve. I think we need to face our loss and deeply understand it. I mean, I think that's that's just basic. But while we're going through it, I think there are certain things that we need to remember. The first for me, when I have grieved and gone through grieving, uh, I think we were talking beforehand, uh, when Rebecca passed so suddenly, we all grieved here at the office. Uh, Rebecca was such a part of that, and it would seem as if it, when a suddenness of a death happens, it just rushes upon us. I shared with you also, this is the third time that someone close to me has died in an automobile accident. And I now have come to know what that feels like. It, it comes so quickly. It overwhelms you so suddenly. And you definitely need an anchor point to hold on to. One of the things that makes sense to me at time of grief is that in my grieving, 
I am called upon, what Paul says, to fill up the sufferings of Christ. He talks about that in Philippians chapter uh, 2, it is, I think. it. Oh, I'm sorry, it's in Colossians. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, there's a number of ways to understand that, but one of the ways that I think we can understand it is that in his mercy, God is allowing us to experience suffering so that when we think of the sufferings of Christ, we'll begin to understand them personally. Because unlike Christ, I mean, our suffering happens simply because we live in this broken and fallen world. Christ chose to suffer. And when I think about that, now having experienced suffering myself, I begun to realize what he did on my behalf. Mm -hmm. So in his mercy, God has allowed me to suffer so that I might understand the great love of God for me. Mm -hmm. That's helpful for me to at least begin to say, this has some redemptive features in my life. So I guess uh, a, a healthy grief leads you closer to the gospel and Jesus. Um, then an unhealthy grief would just lead you to anger, frustration, I guess, uh, compared to leading you to Jesus. Yeah, I think that's what I'm saying. I think that as I now think about the grief that Jesus felt, or or when Paul talks about Epaphrodites and and he didn't die, and then he writes in Philippians, uh, you know, God prevented me from having sorrow upon sorrow. So you get a sense of an already grieving apostle who was about to be hit with a grief that was more than he could bear. Mm -hmm. And then he thanks God that this grief wasn't added upon the other that I already had. So when I read that, I I think I begin to identify with an apostle who understood grief so well and so intimately. And part of understanding suffering in light of God is recognizing that God doesn't like to uh, allow suffering to happen, Mm -hmm. but there's always that bigger aspect of life to the eternal component to suffering. And uh, I know I had lots of people ask me, or wonder, like, you know, there's so many people praying for you and for your wife. Why didn't God heal her? You know, those kinds of questions. And my response is always, well, God's got something bigger up his sleeve, you know. Like, there's something in this in this process that will come out of this, whether or not I ever understand that, whether I ever see that, I have no idea. I mean, only God knows that. And that's where it comes to trusting in his character and his plans and his um, His promises for us in, in light of eternity. And uh, just coming back to that. Yeah. Well, I remember thinking, I think it was a year ago, and I just thought, okay, well, God cares more uh, about my eternal destiny than he does about my immediate feelings. And thinking of that in all of your daily circumstances really helps because it's like, I'm feeling bad, I'm suffering, I'm in pain. It's like, well, God's working in me for my eternal destiny rather than right for this second. Exactly. And and, and through your life in others' lives as well. I mean, he wants to, to use your life to be a blessing to others. And so uh, who knows how God will use uh, our pain, our loss uh, to help others uh, in and through. One of my favorite verses has always been Romans 8, 28. God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love him. And for me, this is how I understand it when I suffer. I think to myself that a good and loving God would never have allowed me to walk through this were it not that he is interested in some eternal long-term good for me. Now, I don't know in the immediate, and I think that's why I, I've really appreciated, Clint, what you just said, and that is, You didn't ask the question of why, you asked the question of how long. 
I think we do well to defer the question of why. There is a time in the future when we will know why. We just won't know that now. But it does provide us some source of comfort to know that God is altogether sovereign. And this suffering that I'm going through is redemptive in the long term. And just to cling to that, we don't have to know why. We don't have to know how it's redemptive. We just need to believe that it is redemptive. That's, I think, key for much suffering. Obviously, many listeners are suffering right now, but there's also a lot of listeners as well that are that are, are not, but they have friends and family members who come to them with their sufferings. And I guess the next question that I think would be good to address is a very practical one in that, and I mean, I, I'm, we've already kind of touched on on the sort of, I guess, the meat of it, but h- how do we respond to someone who's come to us um, and has shared their suffering? Uh, wh- how, what is the best way that we can, I guess, bring them closer to Jesus, obviously, and, and help them grieve in a good way without minimizing the issue, uh, but bringing them closer to Jesus. I hope it, I think it helps to know uh, that grief is natural. Uh, it's a natural response in light of the condition that we are in as, 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 as humanity, uh, in that there is the loss of something good. And that should grieve us. I think it grieves God. Uh, he created all things good. He gives all good things. And so, um, you know, there's a loss of something that is that is good, and it's natural to grieve. I think it's why Jesus wept uh, when um, he heard and saw um, uh, the family of Lazarus uh, weeping and struggling with the loss of their brother. And and that's the same same thing there. You to understand because I I think in my own natural fleshly response to someone that's grieving. Uh, I'm not at, in, in, in my nature, I am not a very pastoral person. I just think, okay, these are the facts. This is what happened. Let's move on. And yet it's completely uh, healthy. It's completely good for us to recognize, hey, I've lost something that was good. And I'm grieving the loss of something that is good. Uh, but then you also, like we've been talking about, you move on to the next thing. Well, what do I do with this? Oh, right, there's even better news out there. There's good news in store, and that is that God will, can redeem yeah. and, and will redeem uh, this situation. And uh, that's the good news, the, the silver lining to the, those dark days. Right. Isaac, I'd like to also bring something else up that we haven't yet at this point in time, and that is there is an aspect of suffering that causes us to disattach ourselves from our love of this world. I mean, in the end, we will lose everything that this world has to offer. Um, And so it is to arm ourselves that God has ultimately created us for eternity and for his presence. And that what we are going through at this point in time in our suffering will eventually break our attachment to all things. We're talking about uh, about some of this before this began, and and you'll remember Isaac that one of the conversations that we had is I I was explaining the the death of my own father, and as he was dying, I'd come into his room and I'd say, Dad, it's raining outside today, and I remember him saying, You know, John, that's fine. I've lost my interest in all things in this world, and I have my eyes so on eternity at this moment. And I remember thinking about that perspective and, and what that would be, but he seemed to have grasped it so completely and utterly that he wasn't anymore, although he had, but he had come now to the place where he was not mourning the loss of all things in this world anymore. Mm-hmm. Indeed, he'd already given them up. And in the end, I think, 
uh, when we stand before the precipice of eternity, each one of us will. Um, that's my prayer for myself. Oh, God, give me such a love in the world to come and such a willingness to break all attachment here. Um, to me, that is a part of the, the process. Um, do, do you have any, I mean, that was obviously an added on thought, and I love that. That's great. Is there any other kind of thoughts that you might have? I would, I would just encourage people, don't be shy with the word of God. Some people might pull back and think, oh, God's just going to point his finger at me, if that's the default view that some people have. When I went through um, both leading up to Angela's passing and then after, uh, more than any other resource or help was was God's word. And together before and then after, um, you know, we're just pouring over God's word, especially the Psalms. They give uh, such a, a wonderful language to the human experience uh, in light of our sin and in light of God's uh, redeeming power. And uh, you just, it's nourishing. It really is. It's soul food. It's spirit food that you you read through those things. And the, uh, his word brings comfort. It brings clarity. It brings hope. brings joy in the midst. Like just all of the truth that comes from that. And and personally, God just, that that's the primary way in which he met with me and was present in, in, in my loss was through his word. And uh, especially Psalm 90, I just... Day after day, I would read that over and over again. Mm-hmm. And the, tr- the, the primary truth that I got out of that Psalm 90 that ministered to me so wonderfully uh, was the, the first two verses in Psalm 90 where uh, basically Moses is saying, you, you, have been, you are our dwelling place uh, from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. And what I got from that is, is my eternal home is in him. And he is, he, he never fades. He's always lasting. So, you know, I can find my identity and my security in this life in my eternal home. And my eternal home is in him, the eternal one. And so no matter what happens in this life, my footing, my grounding never changes because he's eternal and he's unchanging. And so that foundation and that context frames everything about my life, the good and the bad, all is, all is framed in that, and it changes the way you live. Yeah, and if I could just add one thing, exactly, and while we minister uh, or allow the Word to minister to us, it's okay to grieve in many ways. Uh, sometimes people wonder whether they're grieving well, and I don't think we need that pressure, but there is one enemy that we will all face in the middle of grief, and that enemy will be despair. Uh, what Clint has just described here is hope, the hope that's found in the Word. And we have an enemy of our soul in the midst of, of grieving, and that is hopelessness. And uh, we must take our stand against it. And I think, Clint, you've described it so well. The only source of hope that we then have is deeply rooting ourselves in the Word. Thank you both so much uh, for this time, Clint, coming in and sharing uh, about the suffering and grief that you've been through and are going through. And, uh, and obviously here at Back to the Bible, we are still grieving uh, the uh, the loss of Rebecca. But thank you both for being here and talking about this important issue. I'm sure that it's going to uh, speak to many, many listeners. Thank you so much. You know, you don't need to be a pastor to give good and godly counsel to someone who's suffering or in grief. And I hope that what 
Pastor Clint and Dr. John have, uh, you know, talked about in this episode has either encouraged you in the midst of your current suffering or grief, or you've felt equipped to better respond to others who come to you with their suffering and grief. Well, that wraps up the In Doubt podcast. Again, if you felt personally impacted by what we do here at In Doubt, message us on Facebook or email us at info at indoubt.ca. I'm not lying when I say that we love to hear from you. Once again, happy Thanksgiving to our Canadian friends. I'm Isaac, and this is the In Doubt podcast. The In Doubt Podcast is a part of Back to the Bible Canada's young adult ministry, In Doubt. All of Back to the Bible Canada's ministry programs and resources are created for the purpose of leading people forward in their walk with Jesus every day. For more information on all things Back to the Bible Canada, visit backtothebible.ca.